Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for this uh, opportunity to share with you some thoughts before Chodesh Nisan, before the Yom Tov of Pesach, Haba'alinu Latoiva. As uh, Rabbi Manchel mentioned, I've been here before. Actually, I was greeted very warmly when I came in through the uh, front gate. The guard looked at me and said, Rabbi, you were here eight years ago, right? I said, wow, if the guard remembers, I'm sure uh, all the students remember also. So I was, I was sure not to repeat the same Divrei Torah that I said last time. Because even though you might not remember, the guard may come in and he say, you know, Rabbi, you said that last time. Probably nobody here ever took out a Haggadah and actually counted the number of words in the Haggadah. That would be startling if we actually opened up the Haggadah and took out a pencil and just counted the number of words in the Haggadah Shal Pesach. Because, first let's ask ourselves, you know, who wrote the Haggadah Shal Pesach? Who wrote it? We always say the Baal Haggadah. Do you, you have an answer? I've been looking for an answer. Moshe Rabbeinu. That, that's the, I would also, that would be my first pick. But many Haggadahs, and there are a lot of them. Actually, if you sell Svarim, if you're a Moicher Svarim, Pesach is the best holiday. Because you could go to the, uh, the uh, Svarim store, and literally every day, like 10 new Haggadahs come out. There are hundreds of Haggadahs. There are thousands of Haggadahs. And we don't exactly know who wrote the Haggadah, except there is one Haggadah, the name of the Haggadah is Haggadah Tzemach Menachem, who quotes from one of the original Rebbes of Ger, that the author of Haggadah Shal Pesach is none other than Eliyahu Hanavi. And actually I was giving a shir many years ago, and someone came over to me, you know what Rabbi, usually when somebody writes the book, they make an allusion to their name in the very beginning of the book, and the very first word of the Haggadah is, ha and Ha stands for Hanavi Eliyahu. How do you like that? But if we were to take out a pencil and start counting, okay, Ha, Lachma, Anya, Di, Achalu, Avasana, Ba'ara, and if I, if I do that now, you won't have to go to school for the rest of the day probably, but I'm going to, I can't do that right now. They only gave me a certain amount of time. Actually, the number of words in Haggadah Shal Pesach are 1,820. Say, what's that? What's the significance of 1,820? And I have a rare safer at home. The author of this book is Rav Pinchas Zalman Ish Horowitz. He lived about 150 years ago. And he actually counted the number of words in Haggadah Shal Pesach. And he surmised, he concluded, that the number 1,820 is a very important number. Because if you open up your Chumash and you count the number of times Hashem's name appears in the Chumash, Yud, K, Yibav, K, you get 1,820. So now that's pretty impressive. What are we going to do with that? What is the significance of the fact that the Haggadah Shal Pesach has the same number of words as the number of times that God's name is mentioned in the Chumash? It's very interesting. So Paro has a dream. He can't sleep at night. He sees fat cows and skinny cows. And the skinny cows are eating the fat cows. And the skinny sheaves, sheaves are eating the robust sheaves. 
and Paro doesn't know how to interpret the dream, and he calls all his advisors and all his interpreters, and they all come up with ridiculous interpretations. And somebody says, hey, why don't you try this guy, Joseph? Well, where is he? He's in, the, he's in jail. Get him out of jail. So they take Yosef Atzadik out of jail, and Paro says, I heard you know how to interpret dreams. So Yosef says, no, it's not me. Biladai, Eloi Kim It's not me, it's God. So Yosef just got out of jail, and he's already giving Paro a shir. He's giving him a Torah lesson. He's saying, it's not me, it's God. And you know, Paro is a very good student, because after Yosef interprets the dreams, listen to what Paro says. You ever see a guy like this, that the Spirit of God is in him? Yosef just taught him about God two minutes ago. Yosef said, Biladai, it's not me. God will interpret the dream. And Paro picks up on it like that. You know, you have some students, they just, they're like a sponge. They pick up everything. Paro was a very good Talmud. Yosef taught Paro about God, and Paro was a ma'amin. He believed in God. He said, What a guy. The Spirit of God is in him. And shortly after, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Paro. He says, Paro, you got to let our people go. And what does Paro say? Mi Hashem Who's God? What happened to the guy? He had amnesia? Yosef just taught him. Eloikim ya neshloim Paro. Yosef just said, there's a God. And Paro said, yeah. So Yosef gave him the lesson. Paro took a test. He got a hundred on the test. And a few minutes later, Paro says, Mi Hashem! Says Arizal, Paro was a ma'amin and Paro was a kofa. Paro believed and Paro denied. He believed in Eloikim. He didn't believe in Hashem, Yudkei Vapti. What's the difference between Eloikim and your cave up to me. We say it every day. Baruch Ato Hashem, Eloi Keinu. We always refer to God with two names. Eloi Kim and Shem Havaya. Shem Havaya, we don't pronounce it. We pronounce Yud, then a He, then a Vav and a He as Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. Adoi, and then Noi. So God has two names. What, are the, what is the meaning of these two names? Eloi Kim means that God... He's a master. What does Elikim specifically refer to? Like, like power and judgment. Power, judgment. Um, justice. Justice. Okay, that's certainly uh, one of the dimensions of the meaning of Elikim and and the Yud Okay, the numerical value of Elikim is eighty six. Eighty six is also valued at Hateva, nature. God created nature. God created. Precipitation. So it's very humid outside. And in a couple of hours, all this humidity will condense. And when it condenses, it's going to form clouds. And at about 4 p.m. today, mark it on your watches, there's a good chance it's going to rain. Precipitation, condensation, it's going to rain. And uh, these are the natural processes. And then the rain falls into the oceans, and then the sun shines on the ocean, and the sun is this big, massive fire. It's, 
93 million miles away, and it shoots light out at the speed of 186,000 miles per second, and it's going to heat up the water, and the water is going to turn into water vapor, and water vapor is lighter than the air, and then it's going to rise up and form clouds again, and this is all the processes of nature created by God. Ingestion, you're going to eat lunch. Digestion, you're going to break it down. Circulation, respiration. These are all processes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put into motion. Elohim, Teva, nature. Paroi believed in that. Paroi believed God created processes and then he took a step back and he lets the world run as it runs. But there was another lesson that Yosef needed to teach Paro that Paro did not want to accept. And that is Yudkei Vavkei. Yudkei Vavkei means God can break all the laws of nature. That even though it's supposed to rain, but if we don't pray properly, it won't rain. And even though we're supposed to be successful, if we don't observe the Torah, God will say, never mind. And even if naturally things should not be going well, if we do daven properly and we do apply ourselves to learning Torah and we do acts of chesed, we can change nature because God created the rules and He could break all the rules. So Paro believed in Elohim. He believed in a God of nature. He didn't believe God breaks the rules. So he says, yes, hanimtza kazeh isha sharuach but me, Hashem, Hashem, who's Yudkei Vavkei? Who is that? I don't believe in that. Very interesting. By one of the Makos, the Chartumim, you know what the word Chartumim means? The magicians, the sorcerers, they said, What does that mean, Finger of God. So you would have expected, Paro would have been very impressed. The finger of God. What does the Pasuk say? No. Paro's heart was hardened. I don't get it. <laughs> the sorcerers just said, it's God. So why was Paro's heart hardened? The Noi de Behuda writes, when the sorcerers said, Ed's by Elohim, so Paro said, yeah, that's nice. That's Elohim. I believe in Elohim. But I don't believe in Yudke Vavke. So what was the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? What was the purpose of the Makos? What was the purpose of all the miraculous events of the Exodus? To teach Paroi, which name of God? Yudkei Vavkei. Is there any wonder then that the number of words in Haggadah Shal Pesach, 1,820, are precisely the same number of times the name Yudkei Vavkei appears in Hamishei Chomshei so that's one idea I'd like to share with you. Every single night of the year, we have a mitzvah to remember the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's actually a Mishnah that we say in the Haggadah Shal Pesach, Misaprim Yitzhak Mitzrayim Balelois. We are obligated to speak about the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim every single night. So isn't that odd? You know, we're going to be cleaning, hopefully. You've got to help your parents. Your parents are going to be cooking. You're going to be getting the house ready. We're, um, the Yom Tov of Pesach is one of the most anticipated Yom Tovim of the whole year. And what are we preparing for? To talk about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And then we start to say there with the biggest bubble burster. By the way, this mitzvah that we're doing tonight, that you've been preparing for, for last month, guess what? 
you got to do this mitzvah every single night of the year. So then, you know, Manishtana Halayla Hazem, they call it. So what's special about the night of Pesach? If this is a mitzvah, we have to, every single night, we say Shema. And the last pasuk of Shema is, Ani Hashem Aleikechem, Asher Hotsesi Eschem Eretz Mitzrayim. That we have to remember God took us out of it. So what exactly is so special about the night of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? We do the same thing every single night of the year. So there are a number of answers to this question. I want to share with you a new answer, a very simple answer. What do we call that book that we're going to say the night of the Seder that has 1,820 words? Haggadah. You know, it's very interesting. Even though we're all familiar with the word, if you were to go... Where, where most people in uh, this school, you live in Queens. Where do you come from? Queens. Queens. Where else? Anybody? Grayna. All right. All right. So I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Seventy-five percent Queens, twenty percent Great Neck, and a few voices from West Hempstead. Yeah, something like that. What? Not at all. No. Okay. We'll take the poll after. If you were to go to Main Street and take a poll. What does the word Haggadah mean? I don't think anyone would get the right answer. Maybe one out of a thousand. What, what does the word mean? Haggadah. Haggadah. What does it mean? To tell. to tell, right? To tell. I mean, if you want to know what a word in Hebrew means, where would you look? Dictionary. Dictionary. Good. But what if you want to know what a word in the Chumash means? Where would you look? Rashi. The thing is, Rashi doesn't comment on the word vihigadati, vihigadata. So if you don't have any comments of Rashi, where do you think you would look? Other mafara. Okay, let's go. Give me a good, give me a good answer. What do you say? You have a chumash. Unklis. There you go. There you go. Anybody know on the word vihigadata labincha bayemahuleimar? What does targum unklis say? The word vihigadata means. Listen to this. Onkelos says it means v'chaviu. V'chaviu means and you will show, you will point. And that is very important definition. Because while there's a mitzvah every single night of the year to talk about the events of Yisrael Mitzrayim, one night a year, the mitzvah is not to talk about the events of Yisrael Mitzrayim. But you have to bring it to life. You have to say it over in a way where you actually feel that you were there, that you could say, oh, yeah, that's Paro, that's Makas Dam, that's Makas Farde. You know, the, the Haggadah begins that there were five sages in Bnei Brak, and they were talking about the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Yeshua, Rebbe Lezer ben Azariah, Rebbe Tarfain, and they were talking about the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim the entire night. They didn't sleep the whole night. Now, the Abarbanel wonders, wait, they didn't sleep the whole night? Isn't there a mitzvah to rest on Yom Tif? Aren't you supposed to enjoy Yom Tif? Most people are very uncomfortable after going the whole night without sleep. The last thing you want to do the night of Pesach is to stay up the entire night. Why were these sages ruining their Yom Tif? I mean, you think they had an enjoyable day the next day after staying up the whole night? Why exactly did these sages ruin their Oineg Yom Tif, their Simchas Yom Tif, by staying up the whole night? And Barbanel gives a very important answer. He says, because the night of Pesach, the mitzvah is not to say over a story that happened. 
The night of Pesach, the mitzvah is to relive the experience, to imagine as if you were actually there. The night we left Mitzrayim, we were traveling the whole night. We were preparing the whole night. We were readying ourselves the whole night. And in order to properly relive the experience, these sages said, instead of just saying the story for an hour or two, we're going to imagine that we're actually leaving Mitzrayim and we're going to stay up all night the way the Jews did as the night that they left Egypt. So this is a very important idea that while every other night of the year we have a mitzvah to say over the story, the night of the say there we have a mitzvah to relive the experience. Actually, a very interesting question. One of the most important mitzvahs we're going to perform the night of uh, the say there is... Sipor Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to retell the events of the Exodus. And we know whenever we perform a mitzvah, what do we always do before we perform a mitzvah? We make a bracha. And yet, the night of the Seder, we don't make a bracha on the Haggadah. Why don't we start the Haggadah by saying, Baruch HaTashem Lekenem HaChaylam, Asher Kedeshan of the Messiah of the Sivanu, Lesaper Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So some Rishonim say that we do. By the second cup of wine, we make a bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Asher Ge'alanu. And that bracha is in effect the bracha on the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. But that's very unusual because we always make a bracha before you fulfill a mitzvah. Let's say you put on tzitzis, you make a bracha before. You light the Ner Shabbos, you make a bracha before. You put on tefillin, you make a bracha before. You sit in the sukkah, you make a bracha before. There's a principle in halacha. You always make a bracha before the performance of a mitzvah. And yet the night of the seder, we, we say over the story, and then we make a bracha? You're not going to do that. Why would we make a bracha after the fact? Friends, there's one mitzvah that we make the bracha after the performance of the mitzvah. Anybody know what it is? There's one mitzvah that first we do the mitzvah and then we make the bracha. Okay, so in the Tios Yodayim, sort of, because there you can't make the bracha because your hands are dirty. So you have to clean your hands, then you can make the bracha, but we make sure to wipe them after. This way, you're making the bracha sort of before you finish doing the mitzvah. But there's one mitzvah we actually make the bracha after the whole mitzvah is over. Give one more shot. What do you say? Me? Yeah. To like to convert to like Judaism. Very good. Excellent. Very nice. If somebody, if somebody converts, so they go to the mikvah, and after the immersion, then they make the bracha. And the question is, why don't they make the bracha before? Because you can't make a bracha and say vitzivanu before you convert, before you're Jewish. God didn't command someone who's a Gentile to perform a mitzvah. So first you immerse, you convert, and then you make the bracha. Says Chassam Soifer, the night of Pesach, not only do we have to say over the story, we have to relive the story. And we have to act as if we're actually in Mitzrayim. And when we were in Mitzrayim, we weren't Jews yet. So the night of the Seder, you ever realize we're going to take the matzah, we break the matzah by yachatz, and we don't make a bracha of hamoitzi? How could we, how could we do that? 
The rest of the year, we break our challah, we, we make a bracha. The night of the Seder, we break the challah, we don't make a bracha. Because the night of the Seder, we're not Jewish yet even. And we have to relive the experience. And we act as if we're idolaters. And we're in Egypt. And they're beating us. And we're not even serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then Hashem takes us out and we relive the experience. The Achshav Kervenu Hamakam Avaidasai. And then once God takes us out and He takes us as His people, now we're Jewish. It's like we went to the mikvah. Now we could say Asher Ga'alanu, we're ready to make the bracha. So that's one of the primary differences between the night of the Seder and every other night of the year. One more idea. One more thought. Yeah? Is that okay? Okay. This gentleman said it's okay. One of the phrases we say in the Haggadah, after the whole Dayenu, Hashem took us out of Egypt, and He destroyed their idols, and He split the sea, and He gave us the Torah, and He gave us Shabbos, and He gave us the Man, and He built the base Hamikdash, we say, Al-Achas Kama V'Chama Toiva Kefula U all the more so, how God performed for us a double benefit, a twofold benefit, a benefit that has many dimensions to it. What are we talking about? What does that even mean? Here's the, here's the deal. Do you really think that in a couple weeks, we're going to sit down and we're going to stay up late at night and we're just going to say over, okay, 3,000 years ago, we were in Egypt and they beat us and they whipped us and we built pyramids and God took us out and now we're celebrating. Is it really that important what happened 3,300 years ago? Are we just remembering something that happened in the past? Here's the real scoop. Rabbeinu Bechaye, one of the great Rishonim, student of Ramban, Rabbi Mechaye writes in many, many places that all the events of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, the ten makos, according to some, there were 50 makos or 250 on the sea. All the makos were just dress rehearsal. Huh? Dress rehearsal for what? It was just practice. Who was practicing? God was practicing. What was he practicing for? He was practicing for a much bigger show. What's the big show? The big show is the ultimate redemption. See, the way God works is He first practices, and then once He practices, He does the real thing. A more sophisticated way of saying that is Ma'ase Avais Similabanim. What happened to our forefathers will happen to us. It says Rabbeinu Bechaye in a good six places. Every event that took place in Mitzrayim will repeat itself in the time of the final redemption. There will be makos on our enemies. There will be a splitting of the Yamsuf. Mashiach will come and lead us into Eretz Yisrael as Moshe and Yehoshua did. Every event of the Exodus was for then, but more importantly, for later. So we're not just going to sit down in a few weeks' time and say, Oh, 3,000 years ago, my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, who I never met, I don't know anything about, was in Egypt, and God saved him. It's very hard to relate to that. But it's easier to relate to an idea that what happened then will happen again. 
In other words, there are coming attractions for the Jewish people. You know? Actually, the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim were just a practice. So the events of the Gula Hasidah, the events of the final redemption, will be much greater scale to the extent that when Mashiach comes, the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim will, so to speak, pale in comparison. And therefore we say in the Haggadah, Al-Achas Kama V'Kama Toiva Kefula Umechupelas. Every miracle that God performed for the Jewish people was twofold, was for then and was for the future. And therefore it's no wonder, you know, if you want to get a good book, uh, idea of what a book is about, when I was a kid they used to have bookstores. Nowadays, who, who goes to a store anymore? You know? You just, you order it, and a few minutes later, they knock on your front door that, they, that it's delivered. But back in the day, you would go to a bookstore, and you'd open up the front page of a book, and you read the beginning. You go to the back, you read the end, and then you know what a book is about. Let's do that to the Haggadah. How does the Haggadah begin? Haggadah begins, Hashata Hacha, now we're here. L'shana Haba, next year, the Aradi Yisrael will be in the land of Israel. How does the Haggadah end? L'shana Haba, Yerushalayim. Is that really what the Haggadah is all about? Is that an accurate portrayal of the essence of the Haggadah? Isn't the Haggadah about the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Why would the Haggadah begin and end next year in Jerusalem? And the answer is obvious. Yes, the Haggadah is about the Exodus and the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But why are we talking about it? Because by talking about it, we're bringing to life that if that was the dress rehearsal, then we can't wait till Hashata Hacha, Lashana Habab Ardi Yisrael, Lashana Habab Yerushalayim. Does anybody know how many words did God use when he said he's going to bring makos on the Egyptians? He brought a lot of makos. 10 makos, 50 on the sea, 50 in Mitzrayim, 200 on the sea, 250 on the sea. It's a lot of miracles. Does anybody know, with how many words did God prophesy to our Nevi'im that he's going to punish the Mitzrayim? Anybody know how many words God said? One word God said. Done. I'll judge him. And God said one word. And from that one word, we had all the miracles of Mitzrayim. Says Rav Sadia Goyen, and how many words did God use to talk about the miracles of the final redemption? Open up Sefer Yeshaya. Open up Sefer Yechezkel. Open up all the Treyasar. God spoke with hundreds and thousands of words about the amazing times that lay ahead of the Jewish people. Says Rav Sadia Goyen, if with one word of God, done, look how many miracles Hashem performed, could you then even begin to fathom and imagine the great times that lay in store of the Jewish people when that great day comes that we're all praying for and we're all hoping for and through our genuine and sincere service the night of Pesach, we all hope that our tefillos should be answered and all of us together will fulfill L'shana Haba Birushalayim. Thank you so much for having me. Uh,